Petrus aber und Johannes gingen hinauf in den Tempel um die neunte Stunde, da man pflegt zu bitten. Und es ward ein Mann herbeigetragen, lahm vom Mutterleibe. Den setzen sie täglich vor des Tempeltür, die da heißt die Schöne, dass er bettelte um ein Almose von denen, die in den Tempel gingen. Da er nun sah Petrus und Johannes, wie sie wollten zum Tempel hineingehen, bat er um ein Almosen. Petrus aber sah ihn an mit Johannes und sprach, sieh uns an. Und er sah sie an und wartete, dass er etwas von ihnen empfinge. Petrus aber sprach, Silber und Gold habe ich nicht. Was ich aber habe, das gebe ich dir. Im Namen Jesus Christus von Nazareth, steh auf und wandle. Und er griff ihn bei den rechten Hand und richtete ihn auf. Als bald stande an seine Füße und Knochen fest. Und er sprang auf und konnte gehen und stehen von ging und ging mit ihnen in den Tempel, wandelte und sprang und lobte Gott. Und er sah ihn alles Volk wandeln und Gott loben. Sie kannten ihm auch, dass er war, der Almose gesessen hatte vor der schönen Tür des Tempels. Und sie wurden von Wundern und Entsetzen. Entsetzens über das, was ihm widerfahren war. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's great to see you today. Great to have you with us here in the room and joining us online. Um, and thank you to Jenny there for reading. Um, that scripture for us there in German. That was fantastic. Thank you, Jenny. Um, just before um, that, we were asking that question there. What superpower would you love to have? So let's hear it. Flying. Flying. Just shout them out, everybody. <laughs> teleportation, teleportation, teleportation. I've seen teleportation online as well. Somebody said that. Somebody's also said they'd love to be able to fly. Any other, any other answers? Fantastic. Oh, hang on a minute. I said don't put your hands up, but maybe we do have to after all. Go on, Linda. Absolutely, yes. Over here, was there something? Mind reading. <clears throat> Being visible. Fantastic. Lots of great answers there. Let me, let me tell you what my answers would be, um, because I kind of narrowed it down to three, I think. So telepathy, which I think is mind reading, right? Telepathy, like. And then I was thinking, yeah, it would be great to, it would just be great to know what people are thinking. And then I thought, actually, no, I don't think it would. Um, to be fair, as I look at you all today, it's best I don't know. Um, teleportation was definitely kind of the one for me, just the, to be able to just be kind of here and then somewhere else like that would be amazing. And Like, think about it. This was my reflection. Teleportation is biblical. If you keep reading in Acts, it happens to a man called Philip. So I think it's something that we can pray and believe for as well. And then some of you have, like, gone there with the one that I had, which was, like, the ability to, like, heal people, to make people feel better, to make people 
well, which I don't know if that has like a particular kind of official name as a superpower. And I, I'm not, I, I like Marvel, but I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like wild on like Marvel stuff. So I don't like fully know whether that's one that is like exists. Anybody know if there's like a superhero with that ability? No, the only person I could think of that maybe has kind of been given that ability in like books or films is Lucy Pevensey. Anybody familiar with like The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe and Narnia? I think she has like a healing cordial, doesn't she, or something? Anyway, besides the point, we've gone down a, a kind of random place there. But like then I thought, well, hang on a minute. Healing, isn't that a superpower that actually God says that we might be able to have in our lives? And uh, as we just kind of heard there from what Jenny was just reading to us there, healing is something that the Bible has a lot to say about. And actually, when we remind ourselves, those of us who would say we're followers of Jesus, I think that is a superpower, if that's the right thing to kind of call it. But it's something that like, we can tap into as followers of Jesus. And we're in a, a series at the moment called Roots and Shoots. And in this series, we're looking together at the beginnings of the early church, the roots of the early church. And we're looking at what can we learn from their experience in following Jesus. And we're looking together at how the early church had these shoots of growth. And we're believing together as a community here in Witness for, for growth in, in many different ways. When we say growth, we don't just mean like more people. We just mean like in our lives that we would grow in who we are in God. And so as we come together, as I said before, Jenny's just read for us Acts chapter 3. And so you, those of you who are maybe kind of paying attention on Sundays, which is all of you, right? But like you might have noticed that last week we were in Acts chapter 5, and now we've just dived back a bit to Acts chapter 3. Um, but we're just kind of going back to this story for various kind of reasons. We had to do things in a slightly different order. But what we've seen so far in this Roots and Shoots series is that we had this thing called Pentecost. And Pentecost is where the Holy Spirit came, and the Holy Spirit came upon the followers of Jesus, and the Holy Spirit came, why? To come alongside these followers of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came to give peace, to give comfort, to be our advocate. And we see this kind of incredible miracle of languages take place. And from here, we see that followers of Jesus, with the Holy Spirit at work within them, are full of this power. And God begins to use them in powerful ways. And then we're told about this miracle here in Acts chapter 3. And we don't know how long after Pentecost this miracle took place. It could have been days, it could have been months, it could have been a couple of years. We don't know. But what's like super important, as Lois shared a couple of weeks ago from these verses in Acts chapter 2, um, because this gives us a little bit of context about what's going on in the early church at this time, just before that story that we just had read to us before. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then it says this. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles, that's the disciples, performed many miraculous signs and wonders. 
Many miraculous signs of wonders. And so when we look at the early church, what we see is that they were experiencing many miracles and wonders. Many kind of miracles, whatever they might be, whether they were healing miracles or financial miracles or kind of provision miracles, like miracles were taking place. This was a regular occurrence for the early church. And then Luke, who wrote the book of Acts 4, is really helpfully recording all of this. He chooses to kind of record this miracle. And so we're going to focus today on this miracle. But what we're going to do is we look at Acts chapter 3 is we're going to particularly focus on the person who receives the miracle. There's lots of people involved here in Acts chapter 3. There's Peter and John, these followers of Jesus. But we're going to particularly hone in on this man. And so let's just kind of read through it together and we'll pause and look at different things together. So Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 3, it says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. As they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And let's just pause it there for a moment, back on chapter 3, if that's okay. Um, We're never told... Are we all all right, Lois? We're all good. We're never told this man's name. Quite often in the Bible, we kind of have stories like this where either Jesus or the disciples have encounters with people, and we're never told what these people's names are. I find that really frustrating, because I'd love to kind of refer to him as something. So for today, if it's okay, we're going to call him Raphael. Is that okay? Just say to the person next to you, Raphael. Fantastic. The most pointless conversation you'll ever have in your life. But here's what we find out early on about Raphael. Here's some things that we've been told already. We're told that he had a physical disability, which meant that he couldn't walk. We're told that he was fully reliant upon people around him to carry him from place to place. His friends or family, we're not sure who, somebody has carried him to the temple. And we're told that he would go to the temple on a daily basis. Now, this man's disability in this society at this time would have meant that he couldn't work. And he didn't have an income. His income was to go and it was to beg people for money. So he relied upon people's generosity. And so I think we could begin to kind of picture this man, Raphael, and think, well, I have no doubt that there was this desperation about him, as well as a frustration, because it must have been incredibly frustrating for him to have to rely on other people for support. But I also wonder if Raphael had this determination Because I don't think you go to the temple daily, 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 like day after day, unless there was something of a determination about him too. Let's read on. It says, Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, 
and praising God, he went into the temple with them. We, um, as we kind of just jump back for as if that's all right, Effie, there for a moment, we're, our focus this morning, as I said, it's going to be on um, Raphael. But for a moment, let's just pause and reflect on what's going on with Peter here. Because if you're kind of familiar with the story of Peter, and if you're not, don't worry, I'll fill you in, but like not long before all of this, Peter was there denying that he knew who Jesus was. Like three times he gets asked, oh, you were one of the followers of Jesus. And Peter's denying and saying, no, no, it's, I, I'm not, that's not me. But then suddenly, like, you jump forward a bit in Peter's life, and here he is going around boldly declaring the name of Jesus to be healer. Here he is kind of stepping out in faith and saying to this man, like, I haven't got silver or gold, but what I've got for you is the name of Jesus. And in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. There's quite a transformation gone on in Peter's life. He's gone from this denier of Jesus to this declarer of Jesus. And I think what's kind of important for us here is to just reflect on his life for a moment and to see why was there that change. And there was that change in Peter's life because he experienced the resurrection of Jesus and because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so there was this kind of grace that he experienced from Jesus. He was forgiven for denying Jesus. He experienced the life that there is in Jesus. And if you're here today or watching online, and you think, you know what, I've been a denier of Jesus. You know what, there's things in my life that I've done where kind of I, he wouldn't want to know me. Like, let me tell you today, he absolutely wants to know you. He loves you. He died for you. And you know what, he wants to fill you with his spirit today. And so today you can have that same incredible transformation that Peter had. And you can know it today in your life. There's a, um, something that we've kind of been talking about in our series. And, and really I think it's, it's helpful just to pause and remember. And it's that that same kind of experience of the Holy Spirit that same peace that we can feel from the Holy Spirit, like it came upon Peter. It came upon him to a place where I've no doubt he probably wrestled with the fact that he had denied knowing Jesus. He probably felt shame. He probably felt guilty. But the Holy Spirit came upon him and gave him this peace and this power. And so all we have to do, just like Peter, is to ask the Holy Spirit to fill us up to fill us with his peace. But back to Raphael. Raphael on this day, um, I think he would have kind of been believing and hoping for his physical needs to be met. And remember, for this man, what was his physical needs in this moment? He wanted money. He needed money because he couldn't work. He didn't have an income. He was on the edge of society. He was marginalized, like we heard um, way back at part one of this series. He was in that group of people who were marginalized by society. He had this physical need. But you know, Peter and John, as we read, had something better to give him, something that would change his life beyond this immediate need for money. And as Peter speaks healing over Raphael in the name of Jesus, we're told that his feet and his ankles were strengthened and he began to walk. Like, let's just pause 
for a moment. This was an incredible miracle. I don't know about you, maybe you've been around church for some time, but like it can become quite easy to go along with the motions in church. And so we've had some praise reports today. And you know, off the top of my head, I can't remember what those praise reports were. I apologize. But like we hear praise reports, don't we, quite regularly as a church. And what can happen is we can kind of become, I guess, a bit numb to the fact that like God answers prayers. Like miracles happen. Like he's in the business of doing miracles. And so like let's not lose the wonder here of what's just happened for Raphael. He couldn't walk but now he can walk. Like, that is amazing, isn't it? Like, that is incredible. And we're told that he went walking and leaping and praising God. Now, there's a Sunday school song. Does anybody remember it? We're not going to sing it. <laughs> but like this man, he couldn't walk, and now he can. It's incredible. His life, his outlook on life, his social standing, his ability to earn a living, his relationships, everything about him is changed in this moment. Why? Because he encounters Jesus through Peter. This man, like, let me just give you some context for Raphael. He wasn't allowed in the temple. He wasn't allowed through the gates because there was some kind of mixed up thinking about the fact that he had this disability, this bodily defect, which meant that he wasn't, his body was like defected in, in their society. Like he wasn't allowed to go through the gates. And so when he was laid at the gates to beg, that was really as far as he had ever been in his life. But what do we see? We see that he went walking and leaping and praising God because suddenly he was able to enter into the temple through the gates. Like, this man's life has changed so much. He lived in a, a world and a society where his disability meant that he was marginalized. He was excluded from entering into the temple. And I think that what we see and what's important for us today is like he lived in a community that didn't value inclusion. And so as we look at our roots together here, what do we see? We see that Peter and John were prepared to stop, and they were prepared to do something for this man. They were prepared to have a conversation with him. Who knows how many times people had just walked on by and walked on past him. I think there's something to be said for our community here today a lesson to be learned. You know, we want to, to grow here in FCC, and we want to be a community of inclusion, one that doesn't marginalize people because of their disability or because of their social status or because of their ethnicity or because of their race or gender or whatever that reason might be. We want to be a community that works hard to break down barriers not to build them. And so I think that's something that we can learn here. In this moment, in this society that we read of here in Acts chapter 3, the only reason that that could change for Raphael was if he experienced this physical healing. And that's what happened for him. Peter and John, they broke down that barrier for Raphael by bringing healing in the name of Jesus. Perhaps some of those barriers that I just mentioned before can 
actually often feel like quite hopeless situations. And we're not always sure how to break them down. And we can feel helpless or, you know, we feel like we can't physically change somebody's circumstances. But here's what we can do. Just like Peter and John did for this man, we can point people to Jesus. Because when we see Jesus, when we experience Jesus, when we encounter Jesus as a community, when we encounter Jesus, he puts things on our heart. He kind of gives us this strength and this courage in order to bring about change, in order to make things happen so that we be and are a community that works hard to break down barriers, not to build them. Let's just finish what we were reading together in Acts chapter 3. It says in verse 9, All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. And we'll just pause it there for a moment. Um, Raphael's healing caused quite a stir at the temple. And here's why it caused quite a stir, because we're told that people had walked on by this man, and we'll find out for how long in a moment. And they'd seen him every day. And so they could see this like transformation in this man, and people's minds are blown, thinking, hang on a minute, I've never seen this man walk before, walk before, and yet here he is, like jumping about, leaping, and praising God. And I've no doubt that what they could see on this man, because if you experience a healing like Raphael experienced, they'd have seen not just a physical transformation, but like an emotional transformation, a spiritual transformation. There was such a change in this man's life. His life had been like totally changed and turned around by a miracle. And I was reading something this week by um, a man called Tokunbo Adayemo. And I apologize if I've not said his name right. He's a Nigerian theologian. And he says this, he says, someone who had been an insignificant beggar took on a high-profile role in the ministry of the gospel. He did not necessarily preach like Peter did, but his transformed life helped to draw attention to the transforming power of Christ. And I love that because, you know, what kind of we see is that the miracle in this man's life, what did it do? It pointed people's attention to Jesus. And that's what miracles are for. Of course, miracles are there to help kind of us and to bring like provision and to change and to bring transformation. But ultimately, miracles, they point people to Jesus. They point people to the miracle maker that we've been singing about today. And if you get a chance, there's not time today, read through chapter 3 and chapter 4 of Acts and you'll see that Peter and John, they get into quite a bit of trouble for stopping and talking to this man. They get into trouble for this miracle. They get into trouble for pointing people to Jesus. But this transformed life meant that hundreds of people begin to follow Jesus. And then just jump forward with me to the middle of chapter 4. And we see something really key, some information that we, we're going to just pause on together about Raphael. It says, then the council threatened them further. That's Peter and John. But they finally let them go because they didn't know how to punish them without starting a riot. For everyone was praising God for this miraculous sign. The healing of a man who had been lame for more than 40 
years. More than 40 years. We've already touched on Raphael's emotions and on his reliance upon others. But now we learn that this is something that this man has lived with for more than 40 years. Now, 40 years is a very long time. It's longer than I've been alive. Like, it's a long, long time, just putting out that I'm still under 40. (laughs) But, like, we're told that he hadn't been able to walk since birth. Like, this man has never experienced what it is to walk. And we find out that that's for more than 40 years. Maybe there was a time earlier on in his life when he had just hoped that his body would have naturally healed itself, where he'd hoped that his ankles and his joints and his muscles would have strengthened themselves to a place where he would be able to walk. Who knows, as well, when you you kind of think about Raphael, what lengths had his parents, his family, his friends gone to to try and find like a miracle cure for this man? Like how much money might they have spent on miracle cures? And it hadn't worked. It hadn't happened. And I just, I just want us to concentrate for a moment on Raphael pre this encounter. How must he have felt? And I imagine he'd have felt quite hopeless. I imagine that he'd have felt beyond hope. The pain and the suffering in his life, I imagine, would have become his identity. It was who he was in this community that didn't value inclusion. He couldn't worship like everyone else. He couldn't work. Who knows if he was able to have his own family. I wonder if he was resigned to this just being his life story and he's just settled and he's just thought, all I need is just a bit of money to get me by. Was he in any way believing still for this miracle in his life? And we don't know, but I imagine there are many in the room today, part of our community or watching online, and, you know, that's your story. And you're here today and you're thinking, I've lost hope. I've lost belief and faith for this miracle in my life. And I wonder about Raphael, because we're told that he was there, like, daily at the temple. And this isn't that long after Jesus himself had been at the temple performing healing miracles. And I'm left wondering, like, did this guy see other people getting healed by Jesus and think, oh, not my turn, not for me. Because, you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody when he walked the earth. He didn't, like, anybody that died, like, it wasn't that everybody that died came back to life like Lazarus. Like, that was the reality. And so I wonder that about his life. We, again, we don't know. These are just unhelpful ponderings that I'm having, that I'm sharing with you. And I wonder if they're some of the questions that, like, as a community, they were wrestling with. Because it's a question that I wrestle with a lot. And I, I'm conscious that people... Somebody said something to me about like metaphors, when we use metaphors on stage. When I say wrestling, because some people translate our services, like, I don't mean... Like I'm body slamming my Bible or choke slamming it. Like, but you, anyway, I've gone down another thought there. But like, like we, we kind of, we, we struggle with these things, don't we? And we think like, God, 
Why hasn't this healing come yet for this man? God, why hasn't my healing come yet? God, why hasn't you kind of healed my, 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 my partner? Why haven't you healed this family member, this friend? Like, God, 40 years, that's a long time. Come on, like, God, you're a healer. You can do this. And like I said, maybe that's where you're at today. And maybe actually when you kind of realize that we're going to be talking about miracles and healing today, it's, it's causing a lot of pain in you. And, 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 and kind of you're here today and you're thinking that's just bringing up the doubt. That's just raising the pain of the, the endless tests and the examinations and, and, and the, the kind of the diagnosis. And there's an uncertainty of whether you'll ever be well again. I imagine there are many that can relate to Raphael's story. Healing is a really complex conversation to open up and to have. And at times, church may well have been part of the pain. Church may well have been part of the the suffering that you've experienced because unfortunately we're not a perfect group of people. And unfortunately, we say things sometimes. And you know, maybe we mean well, but like we have to be careful and wise with our words. And I'm talking here from my own experience of some healing that I've longed for in my life that hasn't come in the way that I kind of hoped and believed it would. And then I've had people say to me, well, you just haven't prayed hard enough. And, you know, maybe you just don't have enough faith. And then I've said, well, maybe you just want a punch in the face. (laughs) Amen. No, I've said that inside. I've not. I realize I've said that outside now as well. Or maybe you've experienced that kind of awful comment of like, oh, well, this is because of something you've done in your early life. And like, like I've said, I, I, I don't doubt that maybe there was some kind of well-meaning thought there. I question it, but like church, we have to be really careful and really wise with our words. Because we can cause more pain and more hurt than that physical suffering or that emotional suffering that somebody's experiencing. What we need to do is journey with people. We need to come alongside them. We need to point them to Jesus. We need to try and bring hope. But it's not always easy to do that. Because what we can do is we can leave people feeling guilty or shamed. And that's not what God ever wants to do. God doesn't shame. He doesn't. God brings his love. He brings his peace. He brings his hope. He brings his healing. And healing, like I said, is a really complex topic. But like, as I've kind of wrestled with this, I I haven't really necessarily landed anywhere certain other than this, which is that here's what I know to be true. God's nature is to heal. But healing looks different for everyone. So as I kind of share a message like this, as we open up this whole kind of thing of healing, like I said, I appreciate people are in different places, but I need you to hear this truth today. God's nature is to heal. It is to heal. But healing looks different for everyone. Exodus Chapter 15, verse 26, says this about God. It says, For I am the Lord 
who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. It's in God's nature to heal, whether that's emotional, spiritual, or physical healing. When Jesus walked the earth, he healed many people. And then he gave his uh, followers the ability and the authority to heal the sick. So if you're a, a follower of Jesus today, like that authority, it's, it's in you. You have that authority. But then so many of us, like we've said, have got personal stories, perhaps for ourselves or for friends or family members, where we've, we've also known it to be true that not everybody gets healed in the way that we expect it to happen. And like I said, I, I, I don't always have the answers to why, which I appreciate is not very helpful right now. But I am determined to keep believing that it's God's nature to heal. It's just that that looks different for everyone. And here's what I mean by it looks different for everyone. Sometimes that healing can be to experience God's salvation. His gift of eternal life, which changes your perspective and your outlook on life. And like pastorally, I've journeyed with people who either for themselves or family members have been facing like, like a terminal diagnosis. But what they've said is that experiencing eternal life changes their perspective. It's given them a new outlook. Why? Because they realize that physical death isn't the end for us. And so healing, it perhaps doesn't look like it did for Raphael for them. But healing for them in that moment, they know that they've been healed because they know that they've experienced eternal life. And so they know that they have a future because of Jesus. And I say that one like, I know that that's not an easy thing to get our heads around when we are facing what we might be facing. But it's that hope for eternity that comes because of Jesus. Sometimes it's that God will give you a strength through the pain and the suffering. Sometimes it's that that healing comes through medical professionals who God has gifted with the wisdom and the insight of the best treatment to bring you at that time. And like, that's God's healing. Like He gifts medical professionals. And other times that healing simply comes through God giving his hope and his peace in our times of suffering. Um, there's a, a couple called uh, Catherine and Jay Wolf, and I really want to recommend their book to you. It's called um, Hope Heals. It's a brilliant book for anybody who just perhaps you're experiencing like a difficult time at the moment, suffering with sickness, pain, whatever it might be, you're suffering. And it documents their experience following um, Catherine had a stroke after um, she gave birth to her first son, and it totally changed her life. And they feel this, they feel that God has given them a vision to disrupt the myth that joy can only be found in a pain-free life. And here's what um, Catherine says. She says, Suffering powerfully informs who I am now. While awful and painful, affliction has led to a heartbreaking but beautiful deepening in me. 
I have learned to embrace the suffering. I have learned to not push back, but to lean in hard when it hurts the most and press on. Pain has been an instructor, teaching me deeper truths about myself and God, and bringing me closer to Christ in a way I never was before this happened. The pain has weighed heavily on our shoulders and hearts, threatening to crush us. But we have not been crushed. The hope in our hearts has always been greater than despair because it anchors us. Our hope is Jesus. We trust him and all he is doing in all that we understand and more importantly, in all that we do not. In all that we don't understand, we trust him. And it's a it's a powerful testimony of the peace and the hope that we can find in our times of suffering. When maybe in this lifetime we won't experience healing in the way that we hope and long for. But then still other times that healing comes in the same way that it did for Raphael. One of God's... Um, Names that I mentioned before. It comes from uh, that verse in uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. And this is his name. One of his names is Jehovah Rapha or Yahweh Rapha. And it just simply means this, that the Lord heals. And it's where we get the name Raphael from, which is why we called him Raphael. There was a logic to that random thought. Because what we see in Raphael's life is this healing where he went from couldn't walk to walk. And you know, sometimes that's the healing that will come. And we believe for that healing, don't we? Sometimes, just like Raphael, that healing will be a total change in circumstance. We see it throughout people's lives in the Bible. People like this man, there are countless stories of this kind of healing that takes place. We see it throughout church history. We can read stories of incredible miracles and incredible healings. And you know, we also see it in our church community. I think of um, a friend of mine who, his brother-in-law, he was in a hospice. He, he, he was on end-of-life care. And then just a few weeks ago, we got this incredible praise report that now medical professionals want to use him as a test case because his life has been totally changed. Like he's out of the hospice. Like cancer is just going from his body at an incredible rate. And you know the medical professionals, they can't explain it. But we know why. We know why. Jehovah Rapha, God heals. God heals. It's in God's nature to heal. And so today we're going to keep believing and asking for him to heal we're going to be full of faith for that. We're going to do it sensitively. We're going to do it in a way that recognizes the fact that you know what? God's nature is to heal. But healing looks different for everyone. And so I'm just going to invite us all, if you're able today, just to stand. And in a moment, we're going to um, worship some more together. We're going to sing some more together. I'm going to invite the band up and nobody's going to appear. But Oh, no, not yet. Sorry, not yet. Sorry. I realize that sounded like the cue for that. 
We're just going to be okay with the darkness for a moment. It wasn't meant to go dark. That's my bad. I apologize. Thank you, guys. That is my bad. Because my cue was that I was going to invite them anyway. Let's not go there. But like, together in this moment, we're going to believe in a God who heals. And so we've got a team of people who are going to make their way over to that side of the room over there. And if you are here today and you would like somebody to pray with you because you are sick, whether that's physical, emotional, spiritual. You know, I I just felt this morning God say something to me that actually there's some healing to come in a relationship today. And uh, I think even in this moment right now, as I say that, you'll know that that's you, that that's the healing that you're longing for at the moment. But our team over there, they're just going to very simply say to you, what is it that I can pray for you for? And then they'll ask you, like, are you okay with me just to lay my hand on your shoulder? And then they're going to pray. And what they're going to do is they're going to believe in that moment. That it's in God's nature to heal. And that healing looks different for us all in different ways. But it's in God's nature to heal. And so we're going to be in faith together. And so let me just pray for us now. Father God, we thank you that it is in your nature to heal. We thank you that we have seen you do it before. And we believe you will do it again. And so God, today in this moment, we just pray. Would you bring your healing in the name of Jesus? And I pray today for anyone that perhaps feels like they they don't want to go over to that side of the room. God, you're not limited by where we are. And so God, in this moment right now, I pray your healing would come. I pray Holy Spirit, Come and fill with your peace. Holy Spirit, come and change lives. Holy Spirit, we're asking for you today just to fall on us afresh and anew, like only you can. In the name of Jesus. Amen.